Chapter Two of The Dogs of Boytown by Walter A. Dyer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Sam's Shack. The next Saturday was gray and chilly, but the weather did not deter Ernest and Jack Whipple from starting off early for the woods. They carried their chestnut bags as a matter of course, but this time the chestnut trees offered them very little enticement. The ones they knew best had already been robbed of their nuts, and they soon wearied of a somewhat profitless search. It was Jack who voiced what was in the mind of both boys. "'I wish we could run across Sam Bumpus again,' he said." Sam had said they could find him in the woods, but the woods had never seemed so extensive, and it was like hunting for a needle in a haystack. They arrived at Beaver Pond and the Trapper's Cave without encountering any sign of the man and his dog. Chiefly as a matter of habit, they built a small fire in front of the cave and sat down beside it on their log seat to consider the problem of finding an elusive hunter in the wide woods. They did not even open the treasure chest. He said, anybody could tell us where to find him, said Jack, but there's no one to ask. People don't live in the woods, do they? Ernest sat pondering. Well, he said at length, there's that old woman that gave us the doughnuts one day. Do you remember? She had a lot of white hens that went right into her house and a little dog named Snyder that was so old he could hardly breathe. Oh, yes, responded Jack, brightening up. Where does she live? Oh, I don't know exactly, said Ernest mournfully, but I think it was over that way. We might find her if we hunted. The boys arose, put out their fire carefully, as all good woodsmen should, and started off through the woods again. They must have tramped for nearly an hour, but the very uncertainty of the outcome of their quest gave it a touch of adventure and kept them going. At last, after following various false clues, they came out unexpectedly and abruptly into the clearing behind the old woman's house. The cackling of fowls and the wheezy barking of little old Snyder greeted them. As they approached, the old lady herself appeared in the doorway of her kitchen, clad in a faded blue dress and leaning on her stick. As soon as she saw that it was boys, her face broke into a smile. "'Come right in,' she said, "'and I'll fix you some cookies.' The boys entered and sat in the kitchen chairs to eat their cookies. They were anxious to be on their way in search of Sam Bumpus, but politeness demanded that they linger a few minutes. Ernest inquired after the health of old Snyder. The widow shook her head sadly. Oh, he's failin', she replied. I can see he's failin'. His teeth is all gone, so he can't eat much, and he has the asthma pretty bad. It's what us old folks has to expect, I suppose but I don't know what I'll do when Snyder goes. He's all I've got now. She wiped away a tear with the corner of her apron while the boys fidgeted in their chairs. They felt sorry for her, but they didn't know what to say on an occasion like this. Ernest reached down and patted the little dog's head. Poor old Snyder, he murmured. Somehow that seemed to comfort the old lady. At last, Ernest found it possible to ask her if she knew Sam Bumpus. Lor, yes she responded queer old codger sam is but the best-hearted man in the world many a good turn he's done me he was here only this morning with some bones to make into soup for snyder where did he go inquired ernest he didn't say where he was going but i reckon if you was to go over to the poor farm you could find out he was headed that way the boys had ridden by the poor farm on several occasions, but had never visited it, and they felt a slight hesitation about doing so now, but the woman assured them that the inmates were all quite harmless, and gave them directions for a shortcut. 
thanking her for her kindness and patting snyder good-bye they set off along a ruddy woods road and in a little while came to the poor farm they crossed an enclosed field where a small drove of hogs were feeding and went around to the front of the big white house they did not have to inquire for sam bumpus for there he was as natural as life sitting on the steps of the veranda with nan stretched out beside him as the boys turned the corner of the house he arose with alacrity and held out his hand to them well well he cried in his gruff voice his face wreathed with smiles this is a sight for sore eyes come right up and sit down here i can't invite you in because this ain't my house i'm just a visitor here myself i have a lot of old cronies here and besides i want to get familiar with the place because i may have to come here to live myself some time he rattled on so that the boys didn't have a chance to answer he led them up on the veranda to an old man who sat in a rocking chair bundled up in a blanket smoking a pipe carved wonderfully in the form of a stag's head these are my friends ernest and jack whipple he said to the old man and they like dogs at this the old man took the pipe from his mouth with a thin trembling hand looked at them out of pink watery eyes smiled and nodded his white head this is captain tasker sam told the boys he don't talk much but he's forgotten more than you or i ever knew some day i'll tell you about his dog that followed him to war he's a civil war veteran and he got wounded at antietam show him your grand army badge captain see he added to the boys i told you i was particular who i knew nan got up and stretched herself and looked up at her master inquiringly yes old girl said sam it's time we was getting along then noticing that the boys looked disappointed he added come walk a piece with us won't you i'd like to talk with you the boys readily acquiesced and bidding good-bye to captain tasker they set out with sam along a leafy woods road with nan ranging ahead all about them the forest beckoned alluringly and sam told them of spots where grouse and quail abounded or where one might reasonably expect to jump a rabbit arriving at length at the oakdale road sam and the boys seated themselves for a little while on a fallen log while the former concluded a discourse on bird dogs and hunting setters he was saying are usually supposed to be the keenest and pointers the strongest but in my opinion it all depends on the particular dog nowadays i hear a good deal about the pointer being the best dog and i've owned some good ones myself there's nothing prettier than a strong wiry pointer doublin and turnin in the brush and freezin to a steady point but for my own part give me a well-bred llewellyn setter they're the humanest dog they is they've got the bird sense too oh you can't beat em is it hard to train them asked ernest who was of a practical turn of mind not so hard if you know how said sam they have so much brains that they learn about as fast as you teach em but you've got to know how to go at it i've seen good sportsmen make a mess of it first off you got to find out if they've got a nose that's easy enough if you live with em and watch em hide something they want and see how quick they find it you've got to take em when they're young of course you can't teach an old dog new tricks you know but a good bird dog has got it bred in him and he picks it up quick enough if you only be patient and if you show half as much sense as the dog does then he told in his own peculiar fashion how he started with the puppies teaching them to retrieve objects such as sticks and balls and later dead birds that they must learn to carry gently without using their teeth never let him think it's just a romp they're having he continued i like to play with puppies as well as anyone 
but when i'm breaking em i let em understand that it's business never let em have their own way if they want to do the wrong thing and never give em an order without seeing that it's carried out if it takes all day that's where the patience comes in teach em to obey and you can do most anything with em do you whip them if they don't obey said ernest never whipped a dog in my life said sam decidedly except a fox terrier i had once they're different a whipped setter is a spoiled setter and if you can't make em do what you want em to without whippin em or bribin em you'd better get out of the business of course i sometimes give a puppy a piece of cookie or something to show him he's done what he ought to but i never use the whip there's other kinds of punishment that work better and don't break their spirits just keep em from havin what they want and tease em into wantin it awful bad and you can make em do most anything he then went on to explain his method of teaching a young dog to hold his point in the field he used a long rope tied to a stout collar and led the dog to a thicket where a dead bird lay when the dog got the scent and started to dash in a sharp jerk on the rope restrained him and in time he was thus taught to stand rigid when the scent came strong to his nostrils that's one way to teach a dog not to chase chickens too he added but a puppy born of trained parents gets the point in the habit almost by instinct and retrieving too the main thing is to make him understand that he's got to do the trick and not something else that happens to pop into his head after that you can teach him to answer your whistle or a wave of your hand and hunt just where you want him to aren't they afraid of a gun at first asked jack who had never learned not to jump when a gun went off oh some of em are said sam if a dog is gun shy he's got to be broken of that before he's any good in the field some folks say you can never break a dog that's really gun shy but i never seen one yet that i couldn't cure how do you do it asked ernest well one way is to give the dog something he wants every time you shoot off a gun you can shoot over his dinner and not let him have any until he comes up to where you and the gun are keep at it and after a while he begins to connect the sound of the gun with things that he likes always take a gun when you go out for a walk with him and after a while he will bark and act happy every time you take it from the rack the whole idea of breaking a bird dog is to make him think that the thing you want him to do is the thing that he wants to do and never let that idea get away from him the boys continued to ply him with questions for this was a subject that they had never heard about before and sam willingly added more details of the process of training at length he took a big dollar watch from his pocket and consulted it jumpin jehoshaphat he exclaimed i didn't know it was getting so late i'll have to be hurrying along say he added a little wistfully come up to my house and see me some time won't you i ain't got anything very elegant up there but i could show you something of the line of dogs and guns that might interest you oh we'd love to if our folks'll let us said ernest where do you live sam gave them careful directions first and third tuesdays used to be my days for callers but nobody came said he as he started up the road with nan so now any old day will do if i'm home how about next saturday asked ernest saturday it is said sam bumpus and with a wave of his hand he vanished around a bend in the road clothes do not make the man and boys are apt to overlook certain superficial peculiarities and defects which seem more significant to their elders 
in sam bumpus they saw only a man of good humour and wonderful wisdom a man whose manner of life was vastly more interesting than that of the common run of people whose knowledge of the lore of woods and fields of dogs and hunting entitled him to a high place in their estimation they overlooked the externals the evidences of poverty and shiftlessness his lack of education and saw only his native wit and shrewdness his kinship with the world of nature and his goodness of heart they considered it a piece of rare good fortune to have made the acquaintance of so wise and sympathetic a person and they felt indebted to him for permission to visit him to hear him talk and to glean from him something of the knowledge that had come to him through experience to sam bumpus however the obligation seemed to be on the other side the boys did not know it but sam bumpus was a lonely man and craved human companionship he lived like a hermit in his little shack in the woods and his peculiarities had set him somewhat apart from the world of men he had no living relatives and apart from the old lady in the woods road the inmates of the poor farm and a few other out-of-the-way people with whom he had been able to win his way through his natural generosity and kindness he had practically no friends but his dogs he understood dogs better than he understood men and to tell the truth he esteemed them more highly yet he sometimes hungered for human comradeship that two frank-hearted unspoiled boys should seek him out and seem to desire his company gave him a feeling of unaccustomed satisfaction and he looked forward to their promised visit fully as eagerly as did the boys themselves this proposed visit was such an unusual affair that ernest whipple considered it advisable to speak to his father about it mr whipple was reading his paper and made but little comment but mrs whipple who was in the room at the time raised objections don't you think it might be unsafe for the boys to go away off there alone she asked anxiously we don't know anything about this man he may have a bad influence on them even if nothing more serious happens to them he's a very uncouth person i should say and hardly a fit companion for little boys oh i don't think he'll hurt em said mr whipple from behind his paper but the mother wasn't satisfied and after the boys had gone to bed she again brought the matter up well mother said mr whipple he probably isn't the sort of guide philosopher and friend that we would have picked out for the boys but parents can't always do the picking they are getting older all the time and sooner or later they must be thrown on their own resources self-reliance doesn't come from constant protection and hemming in we can't keep them from striking up acquaintances and before we raise objections we should be sure that they're well grounded then we shall be able to make our objections count for more but i should think there was good ground for objection in this case she persisted this man seems to be so crude and rough if nothing worse oh he's all right responded the father don't think i'm careless about these things i've made some inquiries and though i find that bumpus is unconventional and queer as they say and improvident and uneducated he's honest and law-abiding so far as i can find out the worst thing he ever does is to give tobacco to the inmates of the poor farm i know people right here on washburn street that would do the boys more harm just because he doesn't live like folks on washburn street doesn't make him bad well said mrs whipple doubtfully i suppose you know best but for my part i would much prefer to keep him safe home with me for some years to come that's because you've never been a boy said mr whipple with a smile in his eyes i have and it doesn't seem so very long ago either 
mrs whipple was not satisfied but she did not forbid the proposed visit the next saturday therefore found them early on their way filled with joyful anticipation sam's shack when at last they arrived proved to be a forlorn affair built of boards of different widths some red some white and some unpainted the sagging roof was of corrugated iron and the only chimney was built of cement pipe guyed up with wires but to the eyes of the boys it was a most attractive abode never before had they seen such an interesting house there must be an element of sport in living in a cabin like this they thought sam heard their footsteps and met them smilingly at the door he ushered them at once inside where he had a wood fire roaring in his stove for the day was chilly and he promptly set before them glasses of milk and hot cornbread though they had breakfast only two hours before they fell to with gusto for that is the way of boys how do you like my cornbread asked sam um murmured jack taking a fresh bite do you bake it yourself inquired ernest sure said sam gee exclaimed ernest looking up at him with admiration after they had fully refreshed themselves sam took them out through a back door from which they could see a number of small structures that looked as though they had been made of dry goods boxes the sound of excited barking smote their ears a chorus of canine cries and yelps old nan came bounding forward to greet the boys for she knew them now and behind her loped a big pointer this is hillcroft dick said sam by way of introduction he's a famous dog a champion on the bench and at the trials he ain't my dog though i'm just boardin him for a man that's gone to california i wish i owned them though he's a great dog the boys didn't understand the reference to bench shows and field trials but they gathered that dick was some sort of nobleman among dogs and they were visibly impressed now we'll go out to the kennels said sam there were seven dogs all told besides nan and dick there were two cocker spaniels in the first place that sam said he was training for a man in oakdale i like a bigger dog myself said he but there's a lot of good dog wrapped up in these small bundles they're smart as whips and though i've got to make em forget their foolin and parlor tricks i'll soon have em able to find and retrieve sometimes you can even teach a spaniel to point the other five were all sam's dogs another pointer a little smaller than dick and four beautiful english setters they've got the best blood in the land said sam proudly and every one of em is letter perfect on his job this is rex and this is robin and this is rockaway the boys patted and spoke to each in turn hugely enjoying this introduction to sam's family and this one over here is the best of all he continued that's nelly own sister to nan and what she don't know wouldn't hurt a flea but i guess i better keep you away from her today she ain't feelin very well after they had fondled and played with the dogs to their hearts content the boys followed sam again into the house where they spent the rest of the morning smoothing nan's silky hair and listening to wonderful stories about the sagacity of nelly and the other dogs so pleasantly was the time employed that it was seven o'clock by sam's big watch before they thought it possible and as they had promised to be home in time for dinner they were obliged reluctantly to take their departure as they turned the bend in the road they looked back and saw sam standing in his low doorway with nan sitting picturesquely beside him come again soon called sam we will the boys shouted in reply End of chapter two